Hello, everybody. Welcome again to Top of the Table. I'm Brian Bentley, joined by Hank Alexander. Uh, you see Chris Ballard there in the bottom, uh, Mark Villa there on the right, with our special guest this week, Luis Bueno. Hi, thanks oh, for having me. Thanks for uh, losing a bet and coming on the show. Um, give us a little quick background, uh, people that aren't familiar with you and your work, who you are and uh, what you're doing today. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, today, uh, I cover Chihuahua's USA for MLSsoccer.com, and I also uh, write a weekly column for the Press Enterprise newspaper. It's based in Riverside, California. I've been covering soccer since the late 90s uh, when hardly anybody uh, in newspaper departments really cared about it. Um, and I was thrown on to the soccer beat because I was the lone Spanish speaker at my uh, sports department, and uh, I liked soccer. So they figured, hey, let's let the Mexican guy cover cover soccer. <laughs> and that's how I kind of got my foot in the door. And, um, you know, I've covered uh, I covered a lot of things, Galaxy, Chivas, USA. I've covered uh, the 2002 World Cup in Japan. I covered uh, several other tournaments and uh some big games, MLS Cups, things like that. So I've definitely been around the game for, for quite a while. Well, thanks. So you were there for the U.S.-Mexico game? Uh, I was unfortunately not there for U.S.-Mexico um, in in, uh, in Korea. I stayed in Japan. I was there for Brazil-England, so that was that was oh, nice. uh, the highlight of, uh, of that tournament for sure. Right on. Yeah. All right, well, Luis, the reason we have you on today is um, – Hank, who is our co-host, is also, he does the Midnight Ride podcast, and he's a fervent New England Revolution fan. He's diehard, and we had, we had him on before the season even started to get his opinion on what was going to be happening with the Revs this year, what his hopes were, what his thoughts were, you know, with uh, the new coach coming in, with some of the new players being added, what the crafts were up to. And he spilled it all out for us. And a couple of weeks ago, while we were out of time, at the last minute, I asked him, how does it feel at this point in the year to be a Revs fan? And we went on an extra 40 minutes talking about <laughs> how bad it was and what was going on, what happened, what went wrong. And with you, Luis, I would love to get your opinion since you went from covering the Galaxy the first half of the season as your primary beat to Chivas USA as your primary beat the last half of the season what your thoughts are on the Chivas dynamic, both in comparison to the Galaxy and just as their own entity. What is going on there? Well, it's certainly night and day between uh, the two organizations. I mean, what you see on TV is, is kind of like, you know, what it's like where you watch a Galaxy game and it looks like there's a big crowd because there is, and uh, it looks like there's um, – good atmosphere because you know usually there is uh chivas usa games are uh poorly attended and the attendance has only gotten uh worse and worse you know there there used to be a, a running joke about the attendance and and now it's just you know it's it's, it's still a running joke i think more it, it's still a running joke but i think now it's just it's a running away joke funny <laughs> yes oh for sure and you know the even though the the fans who do show up typically you know provide a good atmosphere there's just not enough of them um, you know, to to make it seem like uh, you know it's it's a big game. I mean, last night Colorado, uh, Chivas USA closed out the season. I think they had announced eleven thousand five hundred, and a lot of tickets are giveaways. They have a lot of uh, youth uh, teams, soccer teams out there in the stands, and you know, just to just to get seats in there. 
and it's kind of sad how it's kind of evolved into into what it's been. Uh, the front office is just chaotic, whereas the Galaxy is very stable and they're very corporate. You know, and Chivas USA is they've always been kind of you know the um, the fun the fun group that had nothing to lose. You know, right. um, but now there's so much transition, so much unknown as they go into the Jorge Vergara era that it's nobody knows what is going to happen you know once the season ends uh, over the winter and before next year um so it it's just pretty much as different as you two uh, franchises as you can get right now let's 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 stop there for a second and touch on the attendance cuz it's you know an obvious uh problem beginning of the year they had the entire stadium open nothing was tarped nothing was closed off and Attendance still was not great. It, it obviously has fallen off as the years gone by, and 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 the, the product on the field's gotten worse. Apparently, um, what was the rationale of closing off what they did? Why didn't they close off, say, the south end as well? Because when you watch the game on TV, the, the crews do a really good job trying not to show the upper level being tarped off or the north end zone being tarped off. But when you see the east stands, they are for all intents and purposes almost completely empty. I mean, where is everybody sitting? Is everyone sitting in the south end for the games? Are they sitting on the west side, on the yeah. side that we can't see? Most, yeah, the lower levels, obviously, the only ones that are open. Uh, it's pretty sparse. I mean, there's really no area aside from uh, where the Union Ultra sit and the, the Black Army, the two supporter cl- groups. Um, those kind of have some, some, you know, stands that, some ro- a lot of rows that are full, but, I mean, any other section you look at, and there's just empty seats everywhere. So it's all just kind of spread out. And uh, I believe it was before the season where they decided to close off, uh, lower the, the capacity to, I believe, 18,000. Um, not quite sure if the rationale was, you know, to, to have a higher percentage of seats filled. You know, obviously, uh, 11,000 of, of, you know, from 18,000 is a higher percentage than having 27,000 available seats. Right. Um, believe it, it was something to do, something, something like that. And, you know, that's kind of like throwing your hands up in the air and already kind of admitting defeat when you're, you're shutting off and truly big sections. Like you just don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, you just want to, you know, look, want it to look good on paper or look better on paper instead of it looking you know, like a mess. I mean, like I said, 11,000 out of a 27,000 seat capacity is not even 50%, but you right. know, out of 18,000, it's, it's, it's more. So right. uh, it's just that kind of, that kind of, couldn't you make the argument from a PR standpoint that with all of the youth teams that are in attendance, that they're, do, that they're doing their, even, even if they are giveaways, but they're trying to do their part to get uh, local teams involved. Throw the game. Yeah. They've been doing that, you know, for for a while. Where they've they've reached out to community groups, and and they they always have, uh, you know, like I said, they're more grassroots. You know, they have they they do these practices in the parks, you know, that are open to to the general public, and and that started uh, several years ago. And and they've always held clinics and things like in in inner cities, um, you know, out in L.A. and, and things like that. And and they are more accessible, uh, you know, in that sense. You know, the unfortunate thing with that is really the payoff doesn't come until much, much later, and it's really hard to to gauge, you know, the successes of that. You know, maybe in in ten years when these these ten year old kids are you know twenty and they're in college and stuff, and even then they're not going to have as much money to spend on going out to games. But you know, that like I said, that's such a long time that 
I mean, is it even you know worth trying to trying to track that that growth and that progress? Um, you just have to kind of of, of take take a chance and, and hope and say one day you know we're, these kids will grow up cheering for Chivas USA. But will Chivas USA still even be there in ten years? Man, that's another thing. You know, what's club going to look like? Where where's this home base going to be? You know, there's a lot of talk about them wanting to get out of Home Depot Center, and you know. Will they build a stadium here? Well, you know, there's just like I said, there's so much unknown right now that that it's it's just kind of a day by day process, and and uh, you know, see where this where this club goes and what direction it's headed. Right now, as far as getting out of Home Depot Center, is that a move to distance themselves from the Galaxy and kind of separate themselves, or is that purely economic, not wanting to pay the rent for something that's not theirs, or the capacity? Or is yeah, it a combination it, of everything? I think it's it's a combination of everything. You know, the, their their goal was always to to get their own stadium. You know, once they became financially uh, viable, I don't know that they're there now, but you know, they're certainly they're not going to get there if if they're at at Home Depot Center and and you know paying uh, AG you know uh, a lease. Um, you know, so the problem then is though building a stadium in somewhere in Los Angeles. You know, they don't just hand out land there and uh you know we saw with the dodgers sale and it was what two billion dollars and there was so much about the parking lots and the value of the parking lots in chavez ravine and then now the nfl wants to move in and, and they want a stadium in in uh, downtown somewhere around staples center uh, you know to host the super bowl i mean this is like like multi-million dollar deals you know i just i don't personally see how chivas usa could could do that somewhere in la you know you, you go outside of la you go you know towards towards kind of where i live out in riverside you know santa Ana. uh there's there's i think a higher potential there but you know at but, that point. but still it's, it's at least a couple hundred million dollars to build a stadium no matter right. what size it is i mean that's exactly Exactly. That's a huge investment. And do they want to undertake, you know, have that undertaking or just kind of write it out here and, and, you know, try and, like I said, make money, be successful. You know, can they do it? I I don't know. I, right. So on a, on a day when San Jose, I'm sorry, Hank, go ahead. I was just going to ask um, in terms of, you know, where this ownership was going, uh, where it is going, what do they want out of this club long term? We've talked about the, the kind of the change in the, you know the the coaching staff and the managerial staff, but there's also been changes in the whole organization, right? I mean, um, back when Whit Haskell actually, I went to high school with both Whit Haskell and uh, Javier Leon um, back in the the last century. The uh, and those guys were involved in the organization kind of early on, and they've since moved on to other things. I think Whit Haskell's over at Fox Soccer now. I don't know what Javier's doing. But um, they've had organizational changes at the at the parent club, right? And that whole parent organization. How are they? For you know, what's their vision now for uh, Shivas? Is it just? Is there a vision? Yeah, well, you know, again, there's there's you know, it's mostly speculation because you know, Vergara hasn't made himself available uh, to to us to the media here and. If and when he does that, you know, we might get some some more clear answers. But I think that alone tells you right there, you know, since he, he hasn't been up here to to talk, you know, in a formal capacity, what he thinks of of, of the team. You know, I think the fear is that he doesn't really value uh, MLS. He doesn't value, um, you know, the 
how competitive it is here and because of that he's not going to be willing to invest as much you know as he would otherwise um you know uh, after the season we, we might get some more answers but you know certainly that this this um you know it's likely to take more of a, of a turn back towards kind of mexican you know bring some of the Mexican soccer back into this club. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever get back to 2005 when, when they had the uh, goodbye soccer, hello football, um, you know, marketing campaign that was, was pretty much a disaster. Uh, I, I, I doubt we'll, we'll ever see that again, but, you know, we could see a, maybe, you know, a coach coming in next season that, um, uh, you know, has coached in Mexico before, maybe a couple of players, uh, whether that's uh, veterans who played, outside of Chivas, Guadalajara, or some of the youngsters there, you know, I think that's just what we'll have to wait and see, but I, I certainly think we'll, we'll see more of a, of a Mexican influence next year than, than we've, we've had for, for a little bit. So the initial season. Now, with that in mind, and that, that marketing fiasco of goodbye soccer, uh, earlier this year was the end of last season, I can't remember, it's, my mind is gone, um, uh, the team announced that they were going to move to the strictly SoCal format. That from this point on, it was, it was going to be all about growing the game in SoCal, only signing SoCal players, kind of following the lead of, of Guadalajara and their only signing Mexican players. Um, what has happened with that? I mean, it's kind of, you know, with all the acquisitions they've made, you know, it kind of went out the window. But is that still something that they're looking at, or is that just a, uh, a publicity stunt, for lack of a better term? I I think it, it I don't think it was ever kind of a, a manifesto to make that you know the you know the kind of club they they want to be in and uh, you know I think certainly they've, they've always had it in mind to to kind of um, you know uh, scour this market scout this market and and try and get uh, young players from here you know to play here for this club um, you know uh, is there more emphasis now than than in the past um, you know. Again, you don't see that with with the uh, with the first team roster. I mean, you have Jorge Villafaña, who you know won uh, Sueño MLS, you know, but he's not even uh, a regular starter or very productive overall. Uh, you know, I think I think that what they want to do is just compete. You know, and right. I think with an eye on the future, you know, definitely trying to build up that youth that youth program, but. Again, they came in in 2005, and they said a lot of good things, and they put all these youth teams in place. But you know, we haven't seen that payoff. Uh, you know, in terms of of uh, first team starters. Okay. Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> with Welcome with the, the show, with the lack of communication coming from the front office or the parent office. Uh, is there really any way to gauge or guess or determine whether Domine will be back next year? Is his job secure? Is anyone's job secure? Do we know anything at all? Uh, I would I would be surprised if Domine returns, and same with Frazier. You know, um, and obviously Frazier is the the easier kind of person to to say. You know, well he's not going to come back. I mean, his his terror is record is dreadful and you know even if there wasn't an ownership change i think they would have to take a really hard look at it but with vergara coming in you know i mean vergara is is just a loose cannon and you know he fires coaches left and right in, in mexico i mean he fired uh chepo de la torre you know who's the the mexican national team coach now he fired him not even a year removed from 
when he led Chivas Guadalajara to their first championship in like more than a decade. And then he went on to, to take over in Toluca and won a couple of titles there. So, you know, he's, he's a very impatient person. And he's Al Davis. He is Al Davis, Alberto exactly. Davis. And, and the, the, the problem here in MLS, though, is that that's not going to fly. You know, you're not going to change coaches, you know, 5, 10, 15 games in the season and expect, you know, the team to, to produce. Maybe in Mexico because they have the short season. You know, they play 17-game seasons, you know. Maybe right. you can fire somebody three, four games in and it wakes the team up and they say, oh, well, you know, let, let's start playing. That's a different story. That doesn't work here in MLS. I mean, you look at teams like San Jose, they're successful because they've had these, these you know, they've had Frank Yallop around. They've had this core group of players around and and you know the same same goes for for any other team like you know the galaxy they they took them some rebuilding but once they got that core group now they're four four years running you know they're they're among the top teams in the league so um you know the hope is that Vergara kind of takes a look at you know MLS before he just says well this is how it works in Mexico and you know my way is the best way and and I don't care what anybody says right Okay, now I, I hate to ask this question because it makes me sound like a real jackass, which I am. Holy uh, cow! Really quantify much. a statement. Wow. <laughs> qualify. Excuse me, I'm so shocked I can't even qualify my own quantifies. Um. Uh, uh, how? How? As a fan, as a beat writer, however you want to say it, where would you compare, or how would you compare Chivas USA to say Toronto FC or the Revs or the Timbers? I mean, you know, those are the bottom four teams in the league. Where where do you see them, you know, record aside, obviously, because it's, it's the ultimate, you know, given. Uh, is there anything brighter to look forward to in the future you see that maybe someone else doesn't have? Is there is there a bright spot on the horizon? I mean, there were some killer acquisitions made this year by Chivas, uh, but none of it came to fruition, really, and I think all those players are out of contract come January. So yeah, you look. It's a fun, it's funny because you look at the guys that they brought in. You know, they brought in Danny Califf, You know, veteran center back and you know, a guy who can definitely help. You know, bring a, a defense together. And they had James Riley brought in. Uh, you know, before the start of the year, and that guy, you know, what you're going to get from him. You know, minutes. He's going to play every game of the year, and he's right. gonna, you know, he's going to so, do a good job yeah. out there. Um, you know, Yazic kind of re- regained his health, and and then Mackenzie and John Valencia. You know, it's just like, well, they're kind of a little bit interchangeable. Uh, you get Juan Agudelo, who I mean, what team wouldn't have wanted to acquire him? Uh, and then Shelby Joseph, you know, one of the best uh, midfielders in the last decade. In he the was league. playing center mid last night, or center and back last night. Center back, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yes, he's been there. I think three three consecutive games now. And and it's just it's just none of it's worked. None of it has worked. Nothing has worked. You know they they just their confidence was low. And and once once the season started to get away from them in August it was was when things got really bad. They just didn't have an answer. They couldn't respond. You know their their attack was non-existent. Uh, and then when they figured it out a little bit in, in August, late August and, and early September. Their defense just forgot how to how to mark, and and they just gave up goals left and right. I mean, this statistically, they're they're having a much much worse season than the other clubs you mentioned. You know, they can't score goals. I believe they had twenty two uh, twenty two yeah. goals this season. They've scored nine goals at home 
nine goals. I mean, that's that's you know nine. I think I think San Jose scores that like every two games, right? Yeah, they were outscored thirty to nine at home, three eleven and three. Uh, statistically, it's not even a comparison, right? But it, if you look at the roster and you look at the talent, some of the veterans that they have there, and some of the young players, you know, this team should have been better than than the record got. You know? And then, and it wasn't lack of try, lack lack of uh, you know, it's not like they weren't trying. They tried hard, they played hard, but just one mistake after another, and then they just they knew they couldn't come back. You know? Yeah. That, that that's just soul crushing, really. Yeah. Yeah. Mark had Definitely. made the comment two weeks ago when we were on that um, that the Chivas players aren't uh, exactly friendly with each other. Yeah, I've got a buddy who sits behind the Chivas bench who also who has Chivas season tickets, also has Galaxy season tickets, and he's always telling me that he can hear the players just yelling at each other nonstop during warm-ups. Uh, but I asked I you. I, I did tweet you last night and asked you, do yes. they even get along? And you yeah. said they have a great rapport. They're really tight. Yeah, I mean, I don't see that in in, in training so much. You know, uh, maybe they get uh, you know some nerve nervy moments before games. You know, right? Like, which is completely understandable. Yeah, given the way the season's gone. Uh, if there is anything, you know, it could be where you have these groups. You know, they have quite a few. Uh, you know, South Americans on their team, and you know they all kind of speak. Obviously, all speak Spanish, hang out with each other. You know, and there could be that those kind of groups that that have formed. You know, where they get together off the field and things like that. But um, if they're if they're sniping at each other, it just it, it could be just the general frustration of how things have gone, and right. you know them just trying to trying to wake each other up and say, look, you know, let's let's do this and that. I mean. You know the the lineups have changed. It seems like every game there's like three or four changes to the lineup. You know, so it could be where where guys aren't aren't quite on the same page, and and that's causing frustrations and things like that. But I mean, I, I don't think this is a team where you know they're just uh, they just totally dislike each other. You know, and 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 that, that that's led to any sort of fracture in the, in the clubhouse. And it's sort of an okay. irony. Um, we talked about in the middle of the season when uh, Breck Shea and Shellis Hyman had their falling out in, in San Jose, where would the best place be if FC Dallas was going to trade him? And we kind of agreed that Chivas would be a great place um, because you could put him with Aguadelo. They had all the great acquisitions they've made. But I look back on that now, and that would have been a horrible move for him. Yeah, it's it just, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. How do you say unicorn in Spanish? Unicornio. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and you know that. And Alejandro Moreno had this great quote yesterday. He said that uh, there's no uh, umbrella uh, big enough to to cover us, you know. And, and then when it rains, it pours, and and everyone's getting wet. You know what he means? Obviously, is that it's the entire roster, the entire team. It's not just a couple of players that, you know, it's just affected everybody because, right. you know, there's he actually, been no, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'll just say there's been no consistency in the lineup, you know, and so you guys got Moreno and, and Vinas, you know, coming in and out. And it's like no matter what they do, you know, it's just it's just an ill-fated team. And Moreno actually had a really, I thought, a good game last night. He made some really great runs. He had some really great touches. Uh, but again, nothing just came together. Where is JPA in all of this? 
Yeah, there's another guy. You know, he's he's actually kind of he was carrying a little bit of a knock, which way he didn't play. But um, you know, I mean, the second half of the the Dallas game on October seventh, which I think, <laughs> I think is probably going to be their highlight of the year because of the, the how they just dominated that last forty five minutes. You know, you, we saw a lot of the old JPA. You know, just dangerous right. and and taking shots. And you know, obviously Kevin Harmon had a huge performance and if he if he's not Kevin Harmon, you know, they score a couple of goals and then they come back and win, you know. So uh, you know, it's just a, another thing too where it's just unfortunate that we didn't see that JPA, you know, in in uh, August, in July, you know, in May and all that right. you know, the first first uh well, this whole yeah. season. Now I'll be honest, I haven't really I don't really keep up with Chivas all that much. I I am a Galaxy diehard. Um but how much has Tristan Bowen featured, or has he featured really at all, except for I think one game that I know of since he returned from loan? Yeah, see that that's the thing. It's like you get you get guys like Tristan Bowen who he was he changed games when he came in. Um, you know, I believe it was against uh, New England or uh, Seattle at home. Uh, he just brought a new element to the team. You know, and we're taught, we're saying, well, if if Bowen had been starting or he's playing like this and you have Miller Bolaños on the left flank and you got two really dangerous guys on the, out wide, you know, they bring this element to this team and then you got on hell can finish, Agudelo up front, you know, and then Bowen doesn't even make the 18, you know, <laughs> and, and yeah. you wonder what happened. Same with Paulo Cardozo <clears throat> to a lesser extent, you know, Cardozo, uh, obviously you guys know him very well. Um, yeah. And and he was pretty well when he played and given the moments, you know. I mean, obviously he has his defensive liabilities, but the guy is, is a bit of a spark plug. And yeah, I mean, I he mean, scored against the Galaxy in the last game. Right. I mean, that the second to last right. game it was a great shot. It was a really good shot. And where is he gone? You know, he's around. I see him. Yeah, I see him training. I see him after right. games, but you know, he doesn't <laughs> even get get to dress. So um, there's a lot of kind of frustrations like that, and you wonder. Uh, why, you know, what, what are the, and right. I think that just goes back to Robin Frazier, you know. Well, where, that, that, that le- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you know, just where he, he wasn't able to set, to settle on a group, you know, and yes, there's a lot of depth, and there's a lot of good players, and the competition is hard, and you, you want to reward players for, you know, trying hard and competing in practice, but at the same time, you got to have your, your core, you got to have your guys, you got to say, okay, you are my guys, and I'm gonna, you know, win or lose with you, and and I think he he didn't never settled on on a, a group of eleven. Right now, I, I'm not asking you to drop a dime on anybody here, and I'm really not trying to knock Chivas as, as an entity, although I, I do every day. Um, but going back to Cardozo and Cardozo and and Bowen, when you go from the Galaxy, then you walk across the hall to Chivas. Does that play a mind game with them where they just kind of give up? And maybe that shows to management. I mean, it, it, do you think? I mean, I know the professionals and a paycheck's a paycheck, and they're still getting to play the game, and they want to make a mark, they want to have their revenge, whatever it is. Do you think that's affected their game? Do you think that's affected their position? Or that that's affected their game, and therefore that has affected their position within the team? Um, possibly. I mean, you know, having been around the galaxy for a while and having gotten to go on a couple of road trips with them, you know, it, they're a big deal. You know, they're a big deal when when they travel and, and they're a big team. 
you know, you go to well, I went to Costa Rica and uh, Mexico. You know, people knew him. You know, I wasn't. I was just some some team. Oh, it's just, you know whatever. It's it's the galaxy. You know, it's Beckham and Donovan and. and oh God, Buttle starting. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there is something to be said where you go from from that, you know, to to Chivas, where you know they, obviously you're professional and and you know uh, you're you're in this environment and that's not going to change. But it's not big. You know, it's not big. There's no big games. Um, you know, there's no prospect of of Champions League play or you know uh, MLS Cup. I mean, playoffs are are a, a possibility at the start of the year, but with the Galaxy, they're competing for trophies. They're competing for big things. You know, so there could be kind of that you know knock to the to the ego and you know uh, where the young guy like Cardozo, you know, maybe it affects him more than than we realize, and maybe that's why he scored against the Galaxy because you know he. He, he brought he up the best that and that was what I was going to ask. Do you think that has any sort of effect with a player like Juan Aguadella that comes from a large market team like New York? Even though he wasn't getting playing time, he was the topic of conversation. Where is he? Where is he going to be? Um, then he gets moved. I, I don't know if you want to say banished, but he, he ends up at Chivas where he's starting. Um, it's a, it's, LA's a big market. I don't know that I would call them a big market team, but uh, he just he's kind of underperformed and he seems to be I don't know if under motivated is the word that I'm looking for. Yeah, he's you know it's very tough to read read him and read his season. You know, we have all these kind of hope and expectations for him, but you know I think we always kind of forget maybe that you know he is just what 19, you know, and and he's he's dealing with a lot of things that are tough for teenagers to deal with, you know, expectations and performing and, and trying to perform. And, you know, he's being asked about national team and about World Cups and, you know, all these big things that, you know, uh, can affect any player, you know, guys who've been in the league for 10 years or whatever. And, and you know, this this young kid, right? So maybe there's an element to that where, where we're overlooking. But at the same time, I think um, we didn't see the – the promise we haven't seen it fulfilled and and maybe it does go back to that you know where he's just not feeling uh quite comfortable you know uh, out here i mean you know like i said i see him in training a lot and and he he just like everyone else you know he tries hard and does some good things in in, in practice and you know he seems like he's uh you know made some friends and and you know, made some good friends out here in the club, and certainly he feels comfortable uh, with his teammates. You know, but like, you know, was it a big deal going from being the only team out in that big market to now, you know, the second team, the the forgotten team in, in, the in, in a big city, right? So maybe that you know played a role in it, and you know, but we'll see. I mean, you know. It, I kind of have to preface every every player with this, but if he is back next year, you know, will what will he have learned from from this experience, and you know how much of uh, you know the the goals that he has to accomplish with the national team, how much will that kind of drive him, you know, to to become the scorer that a lot of people hope and expect him to be. So, uh, so how much yeah, let- roster turnover? Where you know this is all speculation and, and armchair quarterbacking, but how much ro- roster turnover right. do you think there's going to be? Uh, 
I go back and forth, you know, with with Fergata, and if he does bring in a, a new coach, which you know I kind of expect, then I could see, you know, you could see a lot of of turnover. But you know, I just hope they look back at what happened from '09 to 2010, where they went from Preki, uh, who did some really good things out here, um, you know, had uh, three three coaches, three seasons he coached, and three seasons they were in the playoffs to uh, Martin Vasquez who you know had kind of a bloodletting and just blew everything up started from scratch and how horrible that season was you know uh, and if they do that again you know I can't imagine whatever, whoever they bring in I can't imagine next season being a winning season you know under those circumstances so I, I hope that we see a lot of this roster with just a tweak here and there you know or maybe a few tweaks here and there but you know if 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 players are going left and right and we're we're seeing all this change and new players coming in you know i i just i i worry that next season is just going to be slightly better than this year you know and this year was pretty terrible so right so let's get away from for a second. Let's Wait, get away well, from Mario. One uh, follow up question, very quickly. Okay. Um, being uneducated on uh, Vergara and and Chivas uh, front office lore and and tactics, is it safe to say he's does he control the um, uh, any personnel decisions a la Jerry Jones with the Cowboys, or does he turn that over to somebody with a giant anvil over their head? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't see him pulling the strings. You know, I mean, if there's any kind of uh, big name that they want to bring in, obviously that's something that would have to go. You know, he'd have to sign off on. Um, but as far as you know, saying, well, do we bring Caleb back? Do we bring, you know, uh, the Agudelo back and this and that? You know, I think that would be kind of up to whoever uh, takes over for for Domine. You know, and I, I again, I probably would expect to see a Mexican influence. Um, so we might kind of see guys like uh, Greg Vanny stick around or, you know, Carlos Chimosa or, you know, the assistant coaches who, who know the league and, you know, I played in the league and, and kind of, uh, you know, are up to speed on, on the talent and personnel in MLS. And, you know, I, I don't think you can bring in someone who's just blind to MLS. I don't think you can bring in somebody even if they have these great connections down in Mexico. You can't bring somebody in who doesn't know the league because we're, you know, this is MLS. They're playing in MLS and they're going to win or lose in MLS and if you don't know the league, you're not going to win. Right. Just just a note, Lenhart starting his douchiness early. Yeah, I just noticed I was going to comment on that. He's already like He's already got Meyer by the throat twice, kicking at him twice and punching him once. Oh, Come on, Lenhart's great. You love and and Jada Merritt has the uh, white, ca- uh, white caps logo shaved in the side of his head. Yes. Yes, he does. Fantastic. So, uh, Luis, stepping away from facts, figures, and everything that we know, yeah. as, as let's just say as a fan, as, so, as the beat writer, what would, would you like to see them rebrand? Would you like to see them move? Where would you like to see them? What would you like to see happen for them? Uh it would be hard hard for me to see this this team rebrand just because you know I'm probably one of the few who thinks that you know who thought all along that they could be successful uh with this but you know a lot of fan a lot of their well some of their fans I guess are saying that you know even they're kind of admitting that it's kind of a polarizing uh name you know that 
that Mexican Mexican soccer fans, you know, that aren't Chivas fans, won't embrace this team. You know, and the Chivas fans, uh, Chivas Guadalajara fans, won't embrace this team because it's not Chivas. You know, and, right. and, and there's there's some truth to that, right? But at the same time, you know, the teams that they had in 2006 and 2007 and and 2008, you know, are, were really good you know and i like the model that they were going in you know under bradley and, and Precky early on where you had you know obviously young young players brad guzan sasha clayson jonathan bornstein and you had veteran players jesse marsh and ante razov and then you had some of the mexican players you know palencia and, uh, uh claudia suarez you know guys like that so i i, I think an and just in terms of roster, I think that that's the kind of team that they should have, right? But, um, we just, you know, I mean, we maybe... We just lost Mark. Something sorry, happened what? in the game. <laughs> and Mark... Mark? Not, oh, yeah, yeah. I just missed. So, Mark, he's now completely... <laughs> Mark's thrown his camera off to the side somewhere. Lap, he's trying to reconnect. Is, sitting on his lap and in frustration leaned back uh, and lost his laptop and his connection. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, Lawrence. <laughs> no, no problem. Maybe he got, maybe he threw, he tried to throw hey, something at Steven. Hey, guys, sorry about that. No, my headphones were plugged into my laptop and I, I threw myself back in frustration at a missed shot and pulled my laptop off its off the table and it closed on itself That's and shut us right. down. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I can imagine it'd be hard to watch watch uh, watch a game like that. Uh, and and, and, and while we're talking about uh, losing connections, Chris, are you alive? All right, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not doing very right, much, but I'm still, still here. That you know, uh, I'm gonna have to stop this talk about captives and basement and that kind of stuff because you're gonna give me a reputation oh, and we, a bad we one. We're gonna give you a reputation. You know, yeah, let me know, just right? go ahead and fix this for all of our. Uh... There you go. Now you've got a reputation. And if you're watching the live feed, you're met with a billboard of Chris's frozen serial killer face. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> it's still better than my Skype picture. Mm, not by a whole lot. I can. Oh, yeah, I'll go to that. Yeah, this is crazy. I'm not proud. Uh, uh, I want Louis. I want to ask this question, and I will um, um, say it. Um, <laughs> unabashedly. Um, what is the biggest difference for you as a beat writer? And I'm going to segue here before Mark jumps into it between being a yes. Chivas writer and being a Galaxy. Or being credentialed for Chivas versus being credentialed for the Galaxy. In terms of of game game day coverage, um, you know, there's not a whole lot. Obviously, you know, um, the crowds are bigger for Galaxy games, and things a little loud sometimes. Um, you know, post game access is the same for both teams, so there's not really that much difference there. Uh, in terms of day to day, like training and things like that, the galaxy kind of dictates, um, you know, it's when still you just can go. Thursdays, right? It, uh, well, they are open. I think most days, and that's another thing too. They're they had closed their their practices, their training sessions, except for like either very 
early or, or like the last you know few minutes or whatever when players just kind of cooling down or whatever right. um they closed that in re- response to um what one of the beat writers had put in some note about a player who i believe was either injured and coming back or something where you know he saw him uh, training um you know and and w- we'd see the team training and you know um we were kind of um you know we'd see like their first 11 you know like a couple of days before the game on thursday practices or whatever but it was kind of understanding like you know hey just kind of don't don't tweet this out you know right. and so we didn't so you know when when players would you know there's a big game coming up and oh look that's who they're gonna use in center back you know especially this year with with gonzalez out you know and all those different combinations um you know uh we just kind of just didn't report that right because right. it it just did you know we knew that how they they would react and how they reacted was when something like that did come out oh bruce and just said well we're gonna just shut the practice shut the training down and that you know and he's always been very secretive like they have you know like nuclear secrets you know they're trying to protect uh right. he's with that he was like that with the national team you know, and, and it's not to say he's a bad guy. I think I think you know he's a very fun, <laughs> fun person to be around. He just says the craziest things, you know. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot more more like that with with Galaxy with Chivas. You know, I mean, it, they typically don't don't really care a whole lot. You know, you can get there early on, and you know you can get there. Uh, you know. Um, just watch the whole training if you wanted to, right. um, and just the nature that where they hold their training sessions too. Like the Galaxy, you can't see if you just park your car next to it. You can't see, you know. Yeah, it's it, closed which off. It always freaks out. That's the that's the field they train on. That is it because it's blacked out, or because the fence is covered. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's because the fence is covered, and and uh, you know they used to train at Field Six where Chivas trains now in right. 2006, I think, and pre Beckham. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They trained down there, and and they were much more open, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, since two thousand seven, they moved back there, and and now it's very like you know, there's uh, security guards out there, and and they got yeah. their little, uh, you know, they <laughs> they radio back and forth to each other, you know, or DB going out the back, you know, or or right. DB this and that, and it's like okay, dude, like you know. You know, I mean, there's maybe a few people <laughs> that linger outside of Galaxy, but I just think it's so funny how, you know, they kind of react to, to that end to try and, and protect them. Yeah, he is pretty much the Pope as far as they're concerned. Yes, now, yes. Brian, Brian wouldn't say this directly, so I'll say it. Um, are, is there any chance in hell of me getting a Chivas USA credential next season if they're in existence? I mean, are, how, how stringent are they? Because we, you know, the Galaxy won't even look at me. Uh, because of my tweets, I can't say I blame them. But the fact <laughs> is, I want to cover. I want to grow the sport. I want to put my two cents in. Yeah, D- is are Chivas more willing to take bad press because it is press? Do they, do they pre-screen? I mean, are they get- <laughs> Um, I, I imagine that they, they do to some level, just because you know that's kind of what what they do. They'd have to do, but uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think it'd be as difficult or that difficult. To be honest, um, I've seen people come and go, and you know, one-off credentials, and right. there's certainly room in the press box. <laughs> there's certainly <laughs> seats up available. Okay, uh, but know. but are they are? Uh, I've been told by some of our you know mutual friends, Luis, that you know 
that they don't want the bad story. They don't want the negative questions. You know, Robbie Keane has just deflected every question that's been asked of him about his play pre-Euros. Uh, that, you know, they don't want the negative story in any way, shape, or form, and they will retaliate if it gets out. The galaxy? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny um, about Robbie Keane. We were interviewing him. I believe it was the day that Beckham uh, announced that he didn't make the, the Olympic team. Right. And we interviewed him, and, uh, you know, that was the big story of the day, right? So the first question that I think Arena took was on, was on, on that. And so we're asking Robbie, you know, and that's the first question he took. And then he took another question. And then I, I decided to ask, you know, go along with it. It wasn't my intention, but I wanted to kind of give him the chance to stick up for for MLS and for Beckham, you know, and I said, well, now that, you know, what I was going to ask him was that does MLS get a bad rap? You know, I mean, yeah, he plays here and, and maybe they, they didn't think that it's great, but since you've played here now for, you know, almost a full year, what do you think? He didn't even let me get the question out. He just turned around, walked away, like mid question, just left us hanging. And they were, it was before the San Jose game. So we had wanted to talk to him about the big game, the, the rivalry, and all that stuff, and then he turns around and he gets he calls over one of, for one of his PR guys, and then he turns around and says like you know he just gets all upset you know, so you have guys like that on the galaxy you know right you gotta you gotta pussyfoot around and with Chivas I mean I don't think they'd care what what you ask them you know the guys are just more personable you know and and, and I'm not sure you know obviously it's not not every player on the galaxy is is you know just gonna be a, a big prick to you um, yeah i'm sure brian gall's dying for some press time <laughs> <laughs> i, oh, I yeah, love the I guy but i'm sure you know see that's the yeah. thing i want to get to those guys i want to say hey dude you know tell me about you what you know what's with the jazz hands whatever it is um right. <laughs> you know some of those guys okay. he's a fun guy i mean they, they, all those all the young guys you know and well not all of them there's a couple that that you know aren't, aren't great great quotes but but the young guys, they'll talk to you, and you know, I mean, Rafael Garcia is a cool guy. You know, right. Brian Gall is a cool guy, and you know, Hector Jimenez. You know, um, Mikey Stevens sounds like Stevo. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, at at, at the uh, third shirt unveiling party last year, uh, pre Fourth of July, the big crowds obviously were around Omar, Landon, and and Beckham. And you know, AJ and Sean were just hanging out, and you know, blah, everyone glommed onto them because. They were accessible, and they were just lapping it up, man. You know, yeah. that was just after after the San Jose game with McGee and Goal, and I did a really drunken interview with him that turned out horribly, beautifully horribly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, these guys, it was like they were really happy to get some attention that wasn't based on the fact that they were around Beckham, you know, or, or, yeah. or Landon. They were happy to talk to people, and I think that's kind of what's missing in that beat, you know. Uh which is sad. Yeah, and, I think and those, you know, the, the not getting to do it with with guys like you know like that on on a, a weekly basis, you know, is is, is you know it's, it's enjoy. I enjoyed those those two in particular, Todd Donovan. Todd right. Donovan's always been a class act. You know, he's one of the the best uh, you know players in terms of you know talking and getting to know and things like that that I've I've been around. Um, you know, have nothing bad to say about about him. You know, and the, and and you do have players like Juninho is such a nice guy, he's so down to earth, and he'll he'll be the first one. To, he'll smile and say hi to you, and you know things like that. And 
and uh, you know he's a great guy and, and and you know but but there is that that other element where you know um, the players get mobbed and and you know everybody like you said everybody's around Beckham Donovan you know Omar and yeah and, and Landon clams up man he Landon at one point he just shuts down to wants none of it yeah, yeah. he's he's one too that before you know pre Beckham you could talk to any day you know you're out of training and oh let me get Landon. And now they have the DP day where, you know, they make Landon and Beckham and, and Keen. If if Keen doesn't blow you off and just leave, you know, they right. make them available. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, well, when he so leaves, like, does he does he leave with like a Papa Gino's pizza in his hand or uh, <laughs> we had we had that we had that with our guy uh Moreno out here when he was up here from uh Columbia. Every I saw him actually more with a pepperoni pizza in his hand than I did actually on the field. Um, but there is now, it seems to me that this has become kind of the new MLS, right? We're getting prima donnas everywhere. You look at Benny Failhaber here in New England. You know, it's We're not allowed to talk to him basically anymore. He he will he refuses to talk to the media um, unless it's a, at a specific game or, or practice. But after games, forget it. He's not available. Um, and, you know, he wasn't obviously around last night, but I, I wasn't in the press box anyway. Uh, the, But it's it seems that that's kind of the way it's going forward now. You get these guys, and it's becoming a, a less open, you know, Galaxy, I think, is, has always been that kind of exception, but um, it's we're now seeing it in the kind of the lower clubs that are um, bottom feeders, like New England. Yeah, and, you know, there is. I was trying to think if there's anyone on Chivas that's a little prima donna like that. Um, there isn't um, that I can think of. Uh, but you know, um, the Latin American players are typically more accessible, just because that's kind of how it is down there. And I mean, you watch a game in Mexico right after the whistle sounds, you got like camera crews right on the field, <laughs> right? It's open season on players, you know, and it's just like a totally crazy environment. Where in Europe, obviously, it's a lot more closed off and you have a lot less access to players, um, you know, so you get someone like Robbie Keane that hasn't had typically had to do, you know, the amount of interviews he has, and he does them all begrudgingly, you know, he's always, it, it always looks like it's the last thing he wants to be doing was talking to the media, no matter what, right. even if he has good games, even if he scores a couple of goals and they win, you know, he's like, you know, that he just wants to leave, and a lot of times he's he's gone, you know, and you're, uh, there yeah. you go. He All just right. pulled the keen on us. Mid-sentence. Yeah. Just bails. Well, and that was, that was one of the things that we talked about earlier in the year with uh, Thierry Henry is that they're so used to being in England where there is a, um, there's a pool, and um, if you want to just walk by that line and that, that cattle, cattle pen, you don't want to say a word, you go right ahead. But then when you're in Frisco yeah. and Simon Borg wants to walk up and ask you a question, you kind of got to answer it. But he, but you don't have to be friendly about yeah. it. And I stood right there and I watched him basically just be an enormous prick to Simon Borg. And as soon as the interview was over, he turned around and saw a kid in the locker room. He was like, hey, how are you doing? Would you like a picture? Like, it was just the coolest thing to the kid. I'm like, <laughs> wow, what an ass. Yeah. Oh, he's cool. <laughs> and we, and, right. and that interview yeah. is, and, we had that interview posted up on our website. It's, uh, I want to say it was back towards uh, June or July. But, yeah, I mean, that's – these guys, these big – 
name players, you know, coming from overseas, they're not used to just having somebody walk up to you and go, hey, when you get your pants on, can I ask you a question about if you like Hot Pockets? That's me. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> now, Luis, uh, going back a year or two, I mean, Alan Gordon, am I wrong, or was he the kind of guy who, if he was injured, would be out tailgating with the fans? I mean, he, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he, was a, he was a fan's guy. I mean, I loved yeah. him. He was next to Ugo Hemelou. He was my absolute all-time favorite Galaxy player. I loved Alan Gordon. I still do. I hate the fact that he kills us every game that he plays against us. But I love the not guy. Play, he's not playing tonight. Though. You know, no, he will hook him in later. Um, but you know, as far as the, the individual players, last season I took some friends to the game, and my section had the autograph session after the game. It was with Janino and Chad Barrett. And some friends of mine, my buddy was wearing his Juninho jersey, just had a chance that night. And Juninho was so touched by that, he actually stood up, went around the table, gave his phone to Chad, and made Chad take a picture of him with a guy's shirt. Wow. You know, so he could have, you know, nice. these guys want to be, they want, I think they want that exposure, and they just don't get the chance to get it. I, I just don't understand why. You know, I mean, you know, pull the big three off to the side and let, let everybody else have their fun, you know? Uh, now, yeah. do, you, do you think Keen will be back next year? And considering uh, all the injuries, do you think Beckham will be back next year? Um, I, I do think David will be around. You know, obviously he's much more than just a midfielder. You know, right. he's, he's uh, you know, he has his own brand, his own person. And, uh, you know, I think I think we'll see him return. Um I would have said possibly not on Robbie Keane, but he really has come back from, you know, after the Euros, and he's really been a different player. You know, he was struggling, and he was missing sitters and PKs and, you know, things like that before, uh, you know, what, March, April, May. Right. Uh, but but since then, he's just been, what what does he have, like seven, 15, 15 goals? Yeah. Oh, and and he's just he's money. He's total total money. You but know, do you think and, he'll want to come back? Then well, that's, will we that's have the him thing. Back, do you think he'll want to come back? That, that's mean, the question. You know, a guy like him is pretty much like a mercenary. He's been a mercenary his whole career. So yeah. If you know, Villa if say, Villa comes calling, he's going to go. Yeah. If West Ham comes calling, this is the opportunity to, hit, to you know point back to the EPL and go, ha ha, look what I did. Yeah, and you know his loan there he was it. successful and. Know, possibly possibly wants to to parlay that into a full time gig and you know, not that Ireland's got the, the greatest shot of, of advancing to, to the World Cup finals, but there is that element, you know, where, where next year will be uh, a ton of travel if he stays here and maybe will that shorten his career, you know? Oh! Threat of that. Sorry. You know, kind of drive him back across the pond. Ball, uh, Keen. Well there you go. Yeah, who, oh, who, who, again, stood on the ball for too long instead of just putting it in. Well, that was a beautifully threaded ball in there by Buttle. That was nice. Um, yeah. Right there, boom. Yeah, and he just uh, – just first time it, man. You had it. Yep, and then he handled it. Nice. Yep. Uh, but, hey, uh, Luis, one last thing for me. And um, if you're going to bring in somebody to um, – you know, the, uh, a player bringing a player to Shivas. Who would it be? Uh, what? Where do you think they need the most help? On the field, not the front office. 
Yeah. Right. Somebody actually touches the ball on a regular basis. Oh, God. And uh, the ball in the field, bring, Mark. Right. The ball in the field. I, I can't bring Bob Bradley back. <laughs> you could. Um, yeah. I think he's going to end up in Toronto but uh, or something, but we'll see. Um, they need they need uh, they need a a big goal scorer. They, they need a name. They need a goal scorer. If they're gonna go back to having Mexican influence, then they need to do it. You know, they can't do it like before, where their Mexican influence was um, you know a forty five year old defender, Claudio Suarez. You know, I mean, as as good as he was and as iconic as he was, he was not a guy that you know just he's not he's not the it guy. You know, he's not a he's not a Robbie Keane. You know, he's not someone that has a name recognition, uh, you know, outside um, MLS. You know, um, they need a they need a, a a big a big star. You know, and a Mexican Mexican star. The the problem with that has always been, you know, those Mexican stars would rather play in Mexico. You know, right. so does he grab someone by the ear and bring him up here and play here going to Chivas? Well, that's what he did with Palencia, and Palencia tried hard and he played hard here when he was here, but. First chance he got, went back home, you know. So, the but if if I'm you know if I'm looking at a field, I I need someone that's going to score goals for me, plain and simple. Not only does this team need it, need goals, you know, they need someone that can fill the net. They, you know, that's that's the one area that that I think you can make a big impact with fans and say, look, we're we're trying, we're bringing guys in. Do you think there's any chance they go after Herc? That would be a, a good player to go uh, after, you know, and, and I was I was kind of on the, you know, bring him home bandwagon right. uh, a little bit. Um, you know, the, the question is, does, does Herc want to return to MLS? You know, I know he was, uh, felt kind of, I don't know if ostracized is the right word, but he certainly felt like, you know, he wasn't given uh, chances here and and the, the contract offers he got here were, were kind of preposterous, you know. And, right. and if I'm Herc, I'm like, well, you you bring me back as a DP yeah. money, you know. I think he could demand it. Um, does he get it from Chivas? Probably not, but would he make it? might get that Shaw Reed DP money, you know. Yeah, and- the- the table, yeah. you know, and, and, and then it's up to Herc. Does he want to return to Southern California? I know he loves it here, so... You know, there there could be that chance, you know, but but again, if if I'm Herc, you know, and I can still play, I'm 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 gonna stay in in Mexico. You know, he bounces around, he goes from team to team, but he's right. he, when he gets a chance, he scores goals. Absolutely, yeah. and you need that, and it would be great to have that guy. But he, isn't he more of like an American folk legend now than a, a Mexican folk legend? Do you think he has that appeal with a Mexican crowd? Um, no, I don't think he has has that much of an appeal. Uh, you know, I think the Mexican crowd obviously knows who he is because you know, he's had success, you know, and he won the title and, you know, he's um you know, and they the Mexican fan knows all the you know, national the big national team players, so right. particularly the ones that, that play in, in Mexico. So I think there there's you know, there's that to it. But um, you know, if if you if you're going after the, the Mexican crowd or, you know, uh whatever, I think um Herc isn't isn't the right person to do that with but you know in terms of on the field and uh oh absolutely i think it'd be great yeah absolutely well, let's go ahead and wrap right this there. up because we've had uh yeah. we've had luis bueno here for the last hour joining us uh luis again tell us who you're writing for let's get you some plugs for you your twitter your website and anything you'd like to throw out there yeah sure um my twitter you can find me at, at runner luis r u n n 
E R L U I S. I write for MLSsoccer.com. I cover U.S. USA. Um, my for some reason my press enterprise columns they don't they don't put them online, <laughs> so which is very sad because I I think I write some good stuff for them. But uh, if you subscribe to the paper, you can find me every Wednesday. Awesome. And I and I appreciate you joining us. And and let's 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 put the, let's put some odds on uh, uh, very quickly before I go to the plugs. What are the odds of Mark getting a uh, Chivas credential next year? I'm saying Five dollars. A seat. Yes. A season credential or just like an no, occasional we're shooting, game day we're credential for the for the stars here. We're going for a season. A laminated credential, possibly with his picture on it. Yeah, with his, with his picture. Oh, that's that's scary. Um, it is. I would say forty percent. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's like that's although, better than the, that's the point two five. That's like hundred forty percent more than the galaxy. Yeah. I I think that that I, I would honestly put the odds at, at maybe like eighty to ninety percent that he gets a game day credential. You know whether or not you know that turns into uh, a, a full time thing or you know. A thing where you get your credential every game, I don't know, but but I think that they wouldn't really have an issue with you uh, going out. And I think one way to kind of win them over might be to go to training sessions if you can, if you can make it out to practices, you know, right. and show your face. You know, I think I think that would increase the odds. But uh, you know, they're they're looking for coverage, and and next year is probably going to be an interesting year, so they're going to want more media out there. Um, they're not the Galaxy, who you know they will probably turn down a lot of people they they aren't familiar with, you know. Right. Credentials, but uh you know, go for it. Okay, Luis, one last question. This is just me being an ass. Because he heard me say that I'm gonna wrap up the show it, and do the Okay, so the rest of us can hang up. So we've heard this before. If 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 you had your druthers and you had a say and you could decide, what would you have them rebrand as? That is not that oh. is, no, that if is they were going to rebrand one quick question. That, that that's a tough a tough question because you know the, the obviously a lot of um you know well I've heard like the bring back the Aztecs you know the right. LA Aztecs or the LA salsa <laughs> but even even if you bring bring back names like that you're still kind of taking on someone else's tradition right, right. You're still kind of not your own your own club you know I mean if if they were if they were you know, to Guadalajara North. Right, exactly. So if they did want to make a break from that, you know, I could see something like maybe you say like, you know, uh, FCLA, you know, right. FC Southern California, something along those something lines. Something entirely their own that places them where they are. Right now I think okay. they're just Yeah, LAFC. yeah. Because <laughs> they're left. <laughs> All right, I'm going to the plugs. You can right. find So I can say that kind of stuff. And FBI.gov slash 10 most wanted, right? Keep checking out the LBF website. The fall line's coming out soon. It's going to uh, be massive. You're going to get Boone back yeah. on the show. I like Boone. Yeah, he's, he's going to he's gonna be on the next week or two. Hey, Luis, nice. uh, thanks for taking some yeah. time out uh, this Sunday evening to come on here and, and pretend like we're serious journalists. 
Yeah, <laughs> we really appreciate your time, Luis. Thank you for coming on and playing with us. Oh, uh, thank you. It was a lot of fun. All right, uh, right. swap the table. Pretty much is going to end tonight at midnight with a whimper, handful of deals. Uh, that's what we get for springing it on you and not giving you two or three weeks to go to Ross and buy stuff to stock up. So lesson learned. Um, we will uh, we'll see you guys next week. We want to thank the guys at uh, geekweek.com, Jeff Katz, for letting us come on here again. For Mark Villa in L.A., Hank Alexander in Boston, Chris in his basement. I'm Brian Bentley in Dallas. Thank you for watching Top of the Table. Will Helmson.